Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. There is no greater challenge in sports administration right now than how to confront and combat in a, con- in a contact sport concussion. It's playing out on all fronts, on the fields, in boardrooms, at tribunals. It'll be soon in courtrooms in Australia and parliamentary inquiries as well. The AFL has today released its guiding document, its its strategic vision over the next five years, with the mission that reads, our mission is to reduce the incidence of sport-related concussion in Australian football and to manage the risks to health and safety presented by sport-related concussion. We will pursue excellence in delivering on that mission by building understanding, enhancing prevention measures, enabling timely detection and evidence-based recovery, and facilitating support at every level of the game. The AFL Executive General Manager of Football and General Counsel is Andrew Dillon. Andrew, great to have you on the program. Uh, morning, Jared, and thanks for having me on. How significant do you regard today the release of the strategic plan, the updated guidelines, in what has been a, a challenging journey, I think? Um, look, it is significant, Jared, because it's a it's the culmination of um, many, many years of work. Uh, we uh, have uh, started to implement a number of the um, initiatives that are set out in the strategic plan. Um, and it really is significant. It's a, um, it's a really important topic and issue for the AFL and our players and community football. So as I said, it's a significant uh, day for us. So underpinning all of these conversations, Andrew, is, is I think the contention, how do you balance the inherent risk of a contact sport with, with the desire to protect the health and well-being of the participants? Um, and that really is the issue, Jared, that you, you've um, got straight to it. But... What we are looking to do is uh, continue to um, keep the fabric of the game, but we, as we've got a record of over 20-plus over years of multiple changes that we've made to the laws of the game and our tribunal and MRO system to make the game safer for our players at the elite level, men and women, but also at community football. Um, and that's really important to us. The health and safety of our participants is our number one. Um, and what we've been looking to do, as long as, as along with the rule changes, is a number of initiatives that we've done over the last, you know, for in the play. In particular, uh, over the last couple of seasons, um, the mandatory minimum recovery of a minimum of 12 days. Um, even bringing in the medical substitute, which is now a substitute, um, has you know helps the doctors on match day. Um, we looked into the McCrory issue and had an independent report, which was um, commissioned and released last year. We've participated in the International Consensus Conference on Concussion in Sports, so we are learning all the time. Um, but we unashamedly say in our strategic plan we want to be global leaders in relation to concussion and so concussion management. In the active issues that the AFL deals with, as an overall, how how big is this one? Gerald, I don't think there's anything bigger really than when you're talking about the health and safety of your participants. So it's a... Um, you know, like any any corporate, we have a risk register and concussion health and safety of our participants is number one on that. So 
in that, so the, you've articulated the responsibilities of the governing body. I think the the counterpoint which is raised is where is the element of of the players accepting the risk when they choose to play the sport? Yeah, I mean, there is an inherent risk in playing a contact sport, and that is well understood. And, and what we are going to continue to do, and the, and the strategic plan points out, and what we have been doing is continue to educate our players at the elite level, the men and the women, but also educate um, at community level. One of the things that the Commission signed off on last year was an increased investment also in relation to concussion. So we now have a Chief Medical Officer full-time, Michael McDesey, um, and we've got three other staff at the moment who are working solely on concussion and concussion management and research and innovation. And we're just about to um, bring on another staff member who's going to help with the past player program. So it's a, uh, it's a big issue, but it's one that's got the um, attention of the Commission and something that we take very seriously. What, what do you hope to learn in the long-term study with the $25 million that, that's been committed to understanding over the next five years the, the damage that concussion can cause? What we're hoping to learn is... Um, is start a longitudinal study, which we've um, termed the um, Brain Health Initiative. And we'd be looking to track players from the moment they enter our talent pathway. And then we would follow them all the way through their career and also post-career so that we can continue. And it, it will be um, a longitudinal study over many, many years. But we will be hoping and we would be looking to bring out learnings as we go along so that we can continue to um, be at the forefront of concussion research, innovation and management. So let me ask you a few of the specifics. Do you believe the the minimum twelve day recovery is the appropriate protocol for now? The best we've got the um, yeah we've got Michael McDesey, our chief medical officer, who's world renowned expert. We've got um, high class talented doctors at club level. But the best information that we have is that the minimum twelve day protocol is the one that we should have. And as I and I think you you've said it and I'll stress it again, it's a minimum of twelve days and it's a it's eleven steps in three different phases. Um, and we'll continue to educate. I think our, our doctors have been across it. It's something that we'll continue to educate um, our players and also our community participants on that. Could that change in the short or medium term? How much of that is contingent on what comes from the the Amsterdam conference late last year? Um, we will be guided by the conference um, and the consensus statements that come from that, as we have over the past 20 years. Um, if you look back at the changes that we have made over over that period to the laws of the game, a lot of them have been guided by the consensus statements out of that conference. So um, we're expecting the consensus statements will come out mid-year. And if that requires a change to our um, return to play, then that will happen. Is there a case, Andrew, to have an independent doctor on duty at each game? So, Jared, the club doctors are the best place to um, assess the players for concussion. But what we do have is spotters in our review centre. So <clears throat> we've got two two club doctors that are sitting on the bench and they've um, they've got all the Hawkeye angles, so eight, eight to ten different angles of, um, of the game. But in addition to that, we have an independent spotter who's medically trained and they're in the review centre and they will feed information through to the doctors on the bench. It's, we've had that in place for a number of years and um, we think that it works really well and, and we're comfortable with that at the moment. Um, the doctors have um, a duty of care for, for their, for their um, patients or patients for the players and we think that they're the best place to assess 
um, concussion of the players in real time. So have you observed other sports that have chosen the independent doctor and and investigated why that's not necessarily for you? Um, look, I, I'm aware that other other sports have done that, and we we look at and we. Um, speak with all the other contact sports and we've got different groups like at the uh, at the conference over in Amsterdam um, we met with a number of other sports and we've also you know talked to the Australian sports but we are comfortable with the position that we've got we think it, it's it's worked well for us over a number of years and um, we'll, we'll be sticking with that for the meantime. Has the AFL done enough to support past players as the cost of concussion has revealed itself I, I say over the past decade? So under the CBA with the Players Association, which is cleaning, you know, the current one, or the, the 2017 to 22, there's a um, multi-million dollar annual um, investment in a uh, health and welfare fund. Uh, but when we look at that, we, you know, we think that that's doing a job. But as we look at it and, and, and we see some of our players who, who are hurting, who contributed to the game, we look at that and think that that could be a bigger number. And we'll be talking with the Players Association as we look to negotiate the CBA over the coming weeks and months. Had you anticipated the lawsuits that have been filed in, in recent weeks, Liam Pick and Emma Grant, and the talk of class actions that, that are being prepared? There has been a lot of talk. Um, we haven't been served with any lawsuits at the moment, but understand that some have been filed. So I don't really want to go into any individual cases, but I think I have said a number of times, and I'll say here, is that the AFL is um, comfortable with its legal position, but that doesn't mean that we won't continue to um, innovate and get better and also acknowledge that uh, we have got players who are hurting for, you know, for, for many reasons, and if the game can afford to look after those players, then we will do that. And I'll probably just restate, we have over... 20-plus years made numerous changes to our, our laws of the game as we continue to evolve you know, and meet our duty of care to the players. Has there been a necessity, Andrew, to contemplate or forecast what the financial cost to the game could be, as, uh, as I guess the NFL has graphically done? Well, that, that's something that we will talk to with the Players Association as part of the CBA, and that, and that will be part of that work. Are you sympathetic to those who are taking legal action, given the circumstances that they are encountering? That that's it, there is a there's sort of a fine line there between the contested element of a a lawsuit and the finances and the 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 empathy or the sympathy for those who have been harmed playing the game. Well, well anyone who's who's harmed, there's um, a great amount of and, and sympathy and care from the AFL for that. Um, and we, what we're hoping is that if you're entitled, you know, if, if you've got entitlement, you've got advice. Well, then I would say you should you should take that, and you won't get any. Um, you know, that, that's that's absolutely your right as a you know as a participant or former participant. Um, but as I said, we're very comfortable with the position that we're in without talking about any individual cases. But at the same time, we will look to expand the financial assistance scheme so that we can have a um, a regime where maybe that doesn't have to happen. Okay. The Senate inquiry, which is active at the moment in concussion in sport, what 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 is the what are your obligations to that? Do you get summoned to that? Are you a voluntary participant? How does that how does that unfold from here? We've been asked to participate, and um, I think this is really important. And it's it's going to be it's um, we sort of welcomed it. It's uh, it's an opportunity for us to um, 
regroup and have a look at what we've done and, and, and you know, tell the story of what we've been doing. And hopefully we will continue, as I said, we'll, we'll continue to learn. And if, if things come out of the Senate inquiry, hopefully it'll only be for the better of the game and the participants in the game. Do, do you expect to some degree to be under siege in that in that forum for for decisions of the past and for the moments that perhaps have failed past players? I think we, we will be there and ready to answer any questions that come. We'll, we'll be putting in a detailed submission. Um, and I think, but ultimately in the end, our track record will, will stand up. Um, but we're, as again, we're happy to answer any questions and, um, and we're happy to be pushed on, on things that we have, have done and haven't done. How, and we'll just continue yeah. to learn and innovate. How central in that is the the link between concussion and CTE. So I was reading the the statement from the the chief medical officer who does. So there is the concession that it's there, but you want to make the point that it's more nuanced than that. That's right, Jared. It's a, there, there's a link there. It's just the complexities of that link and what that means is the part that um, that we need to you know investigate further. And that's why the Brain Health Initiative, which is going to be you know. Um, a big investment from the AFL, and hopefully we'll learn from that, and then other sports can learn from that as well. So that the elite level is is being well debated and fleshed out at the moment. Do you have more to come on the the community, uh, the grassroots dealing with concussion? Yes, the um, the return to play um, protocols apply at community level, but one one of the things that's really important at community is education um, and making sure that. You know, every club, wherever they are in Australia, um, that they're educated. And one of the other things that we have done and will continue to do is look at um, alternative formats of the game, um, modifications to rules if they're required. But, uh, you know, I think for us, it's in the first instance, it's about education. How mindful are you in the... So the week-to-week tension point uh, revolves around incidents on the field and the adjudications of the MRO. How mindful are you that those week-to-week decisions reinforce the overall commitment to the reduction of, of concussion? Yeah, it's a... Um, it's a yeah, we, we look at that, and it is important, but that's um, one of the reasons... The reason why we have an MRO and a tribunal system in place, it's, uh, it's to deter actions, but it's really there to protect the health and safety of, of the participants. I don't really good conversation with the player delegates and leaders at the AFLPA conference back in early January, um, where we showed some of the more difficult decisions that we had to deal with as an MRO last year in a tribunal. Um, and so we will continue, and as we do, we, we review our laws of the game on an annual basis. We review the operation of the MRO on an annual basis, and we review the operations of the tribunal on an annual basis, and we'll continue to do that. And you know, the more we consult and talk to our players, again, that's really helpful as well because we do see changes of behaviour and, and we continue to see that. So I feel like we, we've definitely broken the nexus of uh, it's brave to return to the fields with a, a head injury and then there's obviously prescribed periods around that as well. Have we broken the nexus where players are prepared to put their health first rather than the, the desire to play the game first? Um, it's a very good question, Jared, and I would say we have mostly got there, but we will have to continue to. You know, it's a, a it's a continuum of education um, for the players, and we're going. You know, you even saw last year, you know, for one of the first times ever, where we actually changed, you know, an, an adjudication or even the way we looked at the rules, where we saw the players were 
potentially leading with the heads, shrugging to, to, you know, to um, try and draw free kicks. And we, we tweaked that in the middle of the year. So I, I would say we're mostly there, but we've still got work to do. So th- this period runs from 2022 to 2026. If, if you were forecasting through to the end of, of this strategic plan, is what do you think the, the instance of concussion, the treatment of concussion would look like if this plan is successful within the AFL construct? What I hope we will see is um, greater knowledge and education. So that doesn't necessarily mean that in the, in the short-term um, instances of concussion will go down. In fact, they might go, they might go up as we've got more awareness. But what I, what I want to see is um, education and the health and safety of the players being um, at the forefront of everything we do, and that will continue to happen. Does the... Do you feel like the attitude of the of fandom plays a role in this as well, Andrew? Is during this interview and and in the immediate aftermath, we will get that pushback. Is this is this is a combative sport? It requires brave individuals. There's a cost to it. Why are we pandering to this? Is is the public education piece inside of of what the attitudes that you would like to drive? Um, again, a very good question. We will continue to um, promote the health and safety of the players, but all you have to do is go and sit on the bench at an AFL game and see how hard the players run and how well they tackle and how hard they hit without anyone breaking any rules. And it's a it's a tough game. It's a game that's played, you know, and that's at um, the elite level of men's and the elite levels of women's. So I don't think I haven't got any concerns about about that from a fabric of the game. It's a um, it's a really tough game. It's a skillful game, and it'll continue to be that. But the health and safety of our, you know, of our participants is always going to be paramount. Yeah. So, would you like fans to have that in their minds that um, that the cost of playing the game and entertaining us shouldn't be debilitating for the rest of their lives? As, again, as I said a couple of times, it's all about education, Jared, and we'll continue to educate. Um, our players, participants, and our fans. I think that's really important. Andrew, thank you for your time today to, to field some of those questions and see where we go in, um, in, I think, probably one of the more challenging aspects that confronts all sport right now. No, thanks for having me, Jared. Really looking forward to round one this week, um, you know, starting off with a, with a great game, Richmond v Carlton uh, Thursday night. Excited that we've got two teenagers to booing for, for the um, Blues, including uh, Lockie Cowan right out of Tasmania. So it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be a great start to the season on Thursday. Thanks, Jared. The AFL Executive General Manager of Football and General Counsel, Andrew Dillon. The paper is Strategic Plan for Sport-Related Concussion in Australian Football 2022 to 2026. Uh, it'll be available online right now and it will touch It will touch every level of football over the, over the coming months and the coming years, I'm sure.